Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We love the line from our friend EJ Anthony who says, um, EJ Antony, who says, Mr. Monopoly would be better than the Fed chairman at managing our economy. I don't know, Mr. Would Mr. Monopoly be on those those magic mushrooms like Janet Yellen? Maybe this <laughs> maybe we could have a new fun game invented by our friend EJ. Good morning. Good morning, Don. You know, the crazy thing is I, I don't know when Janet Yellen is worse uh, at being the uh, secretary of the Treasury when she's on those magic mushrooms or not. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, you're right. You know what? Maybe this would create an epiphany, epiphany situation where they, where maybe she and others would finally get it and do a better job. That's so true. Take us through it as far as what motivated you to say Mr. Monopoly would be a better Fed chairman. Sure. Well, one of the things that, that people sometimes refer to the dollar as is, is monopoly money because of the way the government can just print more of it like crazy to cover all of their expenses that they don't have enough tax revenue to cover, which is a pretty astonishing statement considering that tax revenue is essentially at an all-time high today. So the fact that they're outspending even that record uh, tells you just how much of a spending problem we have. But at the end of the day, calling the dollar monopoly money is actually unfair to monopoly money. When the game was first introduced way back in the 1930s, uh, there was about as much monopoly money printed as there were physical uh, dollars, actual currency in existence. So the money supplies started out roughly equal, but we have created three times as much actual dollars as we have monopoly money. And so the irony here is that if we had actually just used monopoly money instead of U.S. dollars or, or what we now have as uh, Federal Reserve notes, you know, we actually would have less inflation over the last about 90 years. It's staggering when you put it that way. When you think about um, the Fed and money, and, and just to be clear, because a lot of people say, well, you know, Bidenomics, President Biden is doing everything he can and the Fed is doing everything they can. Who creates inflation? We ask you as an expert, E.J. Antoni, who creates it? Inflation can only come from one single place because of what inflation is. Inflation is not one individual thing or a few things or even most things uh, getting more expensive because they have more value. What inflation is, is everything going up in price because it is the dollar 
that is losing value. Your yardstick, the thing that you're using to, to measure everything else, that yardstick is literally shrinking. And so you need more of them to cover the same distance. How on earth does the dollar shrink? How does the dollar lose value when the people who are creating it create too much of it. Scarcity is what gives a thing value. So when the government spends, borrows, and prints too much money, the dollar loses its value. And that's exactly what we've seen over the last three years. You know, I think for the average person, you think that there are rules, standards that everybody has to live by. And even you mentioned the game of Monopoly. I remember my brother, John, I realized that he was winning even against our family because he rewrote the rules of John. No surprise, my brother went on to be very successful, you know, ran a successful business with many branches, but he rewrote the rules. And so he said, no, no, no. And he'd get out the, the actual instructions. He goes, right here in this rule, it says, and then he would reinterpret the rules, that stinker, and he would always win. And he said it with such credibility. We believed him until, of course, I read it myself and I went, wait a minute, that's not what that says. I feel like, you know, and going to your comparison of Monopoly, I feel like that's what's happening. They're rewriting a lot of the rules here and getting away with it. They, they certainly are. And, you know, it's unfortunately, it's unfortunate because we just don't have enough people, it seems like, calling them out on how they're changing the rules to really address the problem and to really make the politicians stop. What they are doing is essentially, you're absolutely right, they're changing the rules of the game and they are robbing the American people of their hard-earned money. To, to put that into perspective, just how much uh, they are taking from you through inflation, because that's what inflation is, they're taking value away from you. Inflation is fundamentally a tax at the end of the day. It is a transfer of wealth from you to the government. And I don't know a better definition of a tax than that. For the average American worker last month, that's just the most recent month for which we have data, the average American worker was paying an inflation tax essentially of over $4.60 an hour. Conversely, that same average American worker was paying federal income tax of less than $4 an hour. In other words, inflation under Biden, Bidenomics, has more than doubled how much you are effectively paying in federal income taxes. And in many ways, I think this is, it's complex. And of course, that's why we turn to you because you simplify it in, in a way that everybody can understand it. But it's, to me, it's stealing. I mean, it, it's, you know, the difference with usually a tax, usually if you go to the grocery store, you, well, when you're pumping gas, they actually don't necessarily tell you all those taxes. So I'll take that out. But when you go to a restaurant or you go to any store, retail store, right there at the bottom, they tell you how much tax you paid on this one. It's a tax. It's, it's like a thief in the night or a thief that by day is just taking our money. And a lot of people don't realize it, especially working people. You, you don't understand how much money they're taking. You just said, how much an hour for what an hour? That's amazing. Over $4.60. It is. It's absolutely appalling. And, and Don, I think this is one of the reasons why we're seeing uh, such a divergence right now between hard and soft economic data. What, what that basically means is, is the hard data would be things like, okay, how many jobs did we create last month? How much did prices go up? 
uh, you know, things like what were retail sales, what you were mentioning earlier, right? And then the soft data would include things like consumer and business sentiment or inflation expectations. And people just feel absolutely horrible about this economy right now, which is a big reason why the approval on approval rating on the economy right now is less than a third. It's only about 30%. And why is that? It's because inflation is hiding a lot of the pain that so many Americans are feeling right now. So a lot of the quote unquote hard data doesn't reflect just how hard people's lives have become. And EJ, you talk about you know job growth and how that's d- declining. You know possible future rate hikes. Can you take us through that? You talk about the GDP and you do a comparison, not just a lot of times in the news. And I'm I'm guilty of this. Sometimes we'll see the latest numbers and we say, oh, in the past month or the past six months, you're giving it real perspective here. Can you take us through that? Certainly. I mean, what we're essentially seeing right now with the economy is that we've we've had a lot of growth uh, that has essentially been borrowed from the future. And now the bill is coming due. I, I, you know what, actually, let's go back to the retail sales for a second. I think that's a great illustration of the broader economy here. So when you have things like Prime Day, a lot of people say, oh, there's a deal right now. I'm going to do my spending today instead of waiting until next month especially for things like back-to-school shopping, which usually happen in August, maybe that first week of September. And so retail sales are now probably for the current month, August, going to be less than they otherwise would have been. Why? Because people just bought in July what they were going to buy in August. So unfortunately, it's not necessarily a sign that the economy is actually picking back up. It's just a sign that people took advantage of deals on Prime Day, probably because they're so strapped for cash. So in terms of the broader economy, we've seen something very similar over the last several years. We printed all this money. Uh, we gave it out to a lot of people uh, during the pandemic and even after the pandemic. We're, we're still doing that effectively with things like the student loan repayment moratorium, where it's the equivalent of just handing out cash. Uh, you know, and then also we had the government spending all of this money, but they spent it on real goods and services, which means it was that money was then given to whoever, whatever persons were actually providing those goods and services to the government. So now that money is in their pockets. They can go out and spend it and so on and so on. But what that did was it caused all of the current inflation that we are now experiencing, the current inflation that is reducing people's real disposable incomes, how much they actually have today and in the future to be able to buy goods and services. And so all of the stuff that was bought for the last several years, that bill is now coming due today, which is why we're seeing so many slowdowns, whether it's uh, in, in manufacturing, we just got more numbers today from the New York Fed that show manufacturing is back in contraction. That sector is slowing down. Uh, retail is probably going to start trending back down again, even though it picked up last month. So we have just overall a lot of things slowing down in the economy. And eventually things stop growing altogether, and then we get back into the recession. And can I just ask you about the the news headlines, which say the Federal Reserve had announced that supervisory uh, development or developments for dollar tokens and, quote, novel activities. So I actually had seen the headline, and they they released the federal, um, the Board of Governors of the Fed Reserve System. They released a news conference, and sometimes I hesitate to 
go into this because people's eyes kind of, oh, gee, what is she getting into the weeds here? But it said the Federal Reserve Board provides additional information on its program to supervise these novel activities in the banks it oversees. And talking about technology-driven partnerships, non-banks to provide banking services to customers, crypto and that sort of thing. And they're saying that it's part of their ongoing work to create greater clarity for all parties about financial services and related technologies. So in in all of that jargon and all that financial speak, what do you see what do you see out of those headlines as far as the Federal Reserve Board talking about their supervisory role? Well, putting aside all the euphemisms in, in those press releases, the <laughs> yeah. Federal Reserve is essentially essentially looking to crack down on cryptocurrencies and to more or less regulate them out of existence. Why? Because they are infringing upon the monopoly powers of the Federal Reserve to issue currency. You know, a lot of people uh, don't understand don't understand what fiat currency is. When I would teach money and banking, I would ask the students, what does fiat mean? And they almost universally said, oh, it means the currency is backed by the full faith and credit of the government. Wrong. That's not what it means. Fiat means by decree. It means if you don't use this currency, you go to jail. If someone offers you dollars, whether it's paper dollars or or an electronic transaction, whatever the case may be, you have to accept that in this country. If you don't, you literally can go to jail. And so cryptocurrencies offer people an alternative to the ever-devalued dollar, and the Fed doesn't like that at all because it's going to take away their monopoly power. So the Fed will now uh, essentially try to regulate these things out of existence. And as far as, as the whole supervisory role goes, I mean, my goodness, can anyone name me one thing that the Fed has not supervised which did not go south? It's that... And I guess that explains, so I guess, Hedera, which I have to admit to you, I've never heard of. It's the crypto H-bar that they're cheering the price action. I guess they soared over the past 24 hours because they're a cryptocurrency as the, um, that the Fed, because of its announcement to add them to its FedNow platform as a service provider. But I guess in part it means that they are they're supervisor they're supervising it is that so that's how i read that is that correct right essentially what the fed wants to do with this this fed now program that they have a lot of people think it's the forerunner to a central bank digital currency uh, essentially what they want to do is if they can ensure that all of these cryptocurrency transactions are routed through them, then they can monitor them all. And and going one step further, they can control them as well, right? I mean, if all of these transactions have to go through one clearinghouse, that clearinghouse is now incredibly powerful. Yeah, I I love talking to you because of the way you break it down, because I think a lot of times when we hear from these agencies and it's doublespeak and all of their jargon, I think it goes over most of our heads, I have to say. And ultimately, it's about power and money. You know, what do you see happening, E.J. and Tony, as you look to the future? And it looks like it looks, you know, from reading what you've written about it, it looks like all indicators are all indications are that they're going to raise rates again. I I think so. What you know, I started saying several months ago, uh, as the Fed has gone from the three quarter 
basis point hike, which is still hilarious to me because Jerome Powell promised that a 75 basis point hike, or in other words, 0.75%, that that was off the table. And then he promptly gave us four in a row. But then they moved to the, the half percent and then quarter percent. And now they are doing this pattern of pausing and then a quarter percent and then pausing quarter percent. And what that does is it effectively gives you the same as if you were raising rates in eighth of a percent each time. And so I think that is what the Fed is going to do. It's a kind of a, a micro uh, adjustment or a small tweaking, if you will, going forward. Um, and it does look like they are going to raise rates again. But to me, one of the even more troubling things is the balance sheet. In other words, the, the assets that the Federal Reserve holds, that's an important thing to monitor because when the Fed buys assets, that how, that's how it actually uh, chiefly creates money. And so as it sells assets, it does the opposite. It extinguishes money. Well, the Fed still has an insanely long way to go here. In order to uh, uh, bring uh, the amount of money back into balance, given where interest rates are right now, they need to sell off, which again means extinguishing money, about $3 trillion worth, which is going to take them an incredibly long time unless they pick up the pace, in which case a lot of things are going to start breaking. Ugh. And so that I think that's the, the bottom line is, you know, when you think about another year and a half to the next administration and maybe a different set of policymakers, how, how do you dig out from this? It just feels enormous. And we the people pay. Where do you see this? I mean, where do you see an answer that that can help with the cure? Oh, it, it, it is enormous. It feels enormous because it is. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right, Don. We're, we're 30-something trillion dollars in debt. We have a multi-trillion dollar deficit every single year. And intra- rising interest rates are, are driving uh, the cost of, of uh, interest on the debt through the roof. I mean, it is literally the third uh, largest line item in the budget right now. I think only the Social Security Administration and the Department of Health and Human Services are costing more on a monthly basis. Uh, just an we get out of this the answer to that is very simple you have to just cut government spending if you don't then you're going to have to keep paying for it and you can either pay for it you know explicitly through higher taxes or fewer government services or you can just do what we've done the last two years which is essentially inflate away the value of the debt you are taxing people today through inflation it's just a very subtle and insidious way to do it well, E.J. Antoni, to your back to your title of Mr. Monopoly would be a better Fed chairman. Maybe it's time for the, um, you know, go to jail card or in this case, uh, get out of office card. Maybe that, that's the answer to those in the current administration. Thank you so much for joining me. Until next time, my friend. No, thank you for having me, Don. Absolutely. E.J. Antoni. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices so join the revolution subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring listen on your odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast you'll be glad you did